This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Deuteronomy 30 verse, uh, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. I want to speak this morning on you get to choose. You get to choose. If you have a look at this verse, there are a few things that are quite important about it. One of the things, there are certain key elements that contribute to the overriding thought. One of the things that is so important is that he says, I have set before you life and death. Life and death is what's consequential. He goes on and says blessings and cursings. Ultimately, what he's talking about is fruit. What's most important in that context is life and death. What he's saying is, if you find life, you will find the fruit of life, which is blessing. If you live in death, you will live in the fruit of death, which is cursing. It's the absence of life. Those things are so fundamental to the Christian walk. Sometimes we have this strange idea as to what Christianity is all about. And we think Christianity is all about whether I do something right or whether I do something wrong. Whether I say things this way or whether I should say things that way. Whether I behave in a way that's appropriate or whether I behave in a way that's inappropriate. I have a look in those different contexts. And God says, none of those things are consequential because you're getting caught in the fruit. What he's saying is the most important part to your Christianity is life. It's life. Understand this. As a Christian, the goal of the Christian walk and the focus of our life is life. Not information, not knowledge, but life. It becomes so important because it affects the trajectory of our life and where we begin to live our life because we could live it from different places. It's, all, it, it's a wonderful thing to know about God. It's a fabulous thing to have a good understanding about the word of God. It's a wonderful thing that we move to a place where we're able to, to have a concept of spiritual ideas and what they're all about. But All of that stuff is inconsequential if you do not come to the realization and the revelation, if we don't come to the place where we begin to live from the fact that the Spirit of Christ lives in you. It's not that the word is bad. It's not that the word is inconsequential. It's not that you shouldn't take it and digest it. It's not a substitute for him. The point of, are you with me this morning? Okay. Stick with me, because then at least I know I'm not deviating often. Because if you get quiet, I'll have to go, Holy Spirit, am am, am I on track here? He wants us to understand the reality and the essence of the incarnational reality. You have God living on the inside of you. Everywhere you go, God goes with you. The whole point of the incarnational reality is you have the maker of life residing on the inside of you. Everything that you need to be given life from is residing on the inside of you. I've set before you life and death. I've set before you life and death. You choose. It's an interesting thing that because when you have a look at choosing, what he's saying is the playing field has been set. The chessboard is out. Everything is out there. It's your move. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where are you going to move the pieces of your life? And what is going to be behind driving and the motivation behind those moves? You see, God is not going to do anything more. It's done. Jesus Christ achieved everything needed for fullness of life and abundance of life. He has done everything. Grace is available to you as a born-again believer. Grace is the fullness of everything that Christ has made available to you. It's accessible to you. It's on the board. It's on the board. It's available through life. Not knowledge of it, but through life. The concepts and the ideas, the fullness and everything that Christ has made available to you, the fullness of salvation is life on the inside of me. He wants to birth life inside of us. The focus of our Christian walk is life, not knowledge. You get to choose. 
You get to choose. Who are you? Have you thought about that? Can you define who you are? What makes you up? Are you able to change who you are? How do you do that? Unless we really have a good context and a knowledge, an understanding of how God created us to be and how we operate in that context and how we live from that and what can possibly change or can't change and what can be modified and what can be... Unless we understand those pieces, we end up in trouble. Very often we end up in trouble because we have no concept about things. We're trying to live life in the best way possible, but we're really operating out of, I hope it works. I hope it works. I don't know that it will. You have a choice. It says that God formed man of the dust of the earth. And it breathed into him the breath of life. Man was formed from dust, but he was born of spirit. He was formed of dust, but he was born of spirit. There are a few things that are really important about this. The one is this. It introduces us to the fact that we live in two distinct realms. We have a natural realm, and we have a spirit realm to who we are. When God created man, he created man, and he formed him of the dust of the earth. But he was lifeless. And that includes his brain. His brain was lifeless. There is no life in natural. It lay there. There was no intellectual functioning. There was no creativity. There was no decision. There was nothing. The capacity was there, but the potential was there. But it didn't happen. It was dead. And it says, but God breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What happened? He was born of spirit. When he was born of spirit, God put spirit on the inside of him and man became a living being. All of a sudden, everything that constituted who he was in a natural form was given life. Where did life come from? God. I'm trying to give distinction here. There are certain things that are available and accessible to us in the natural realm and certain things that are available and accessible in the spirit realm. And they're not the same. And every time we try and find something that we're looking for, but we're looking in the wrong realm, we'll never discover it. If you're looking for life in the natural, you'll never discover it. There is no life in the natural. Here is a principle. There are laws that realms operate by. One of the, realm, one of the laws that operates in the natural is the law of gravity. Drop anything and it'll fall to the ground. Why? Because the law of gravity kicks in. Things are created, they birthed from life in the spirit realm. Things are produced in the natural realm. God took of the dust and produced man. But he breathed life into him and created a living being. It's important for us in our Christian walk because we begin to be, recognize the fact that when God says to us, choose life, what he's saying is, I want you to understand that I created you as a being. And as a being, I created you with the capacity to experience my creation. But I built you with the ability to connect with the creator. In the creation... You can live in this realm. You can live in the natural realm. And you should. And God has equipped us with what we need to be able to live in this realm effectively. But this is about enjoying his creation. He's also built us with the capacity to connect with the creator, which is spiritual. You don't meet God in the natural. You meet him in the spiritual. Unless a man be born again. What is he talking about? He's not talking about anything natural. That's what Nicodemus missed. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? He was stuck in natural. And Jesus was trying to say, I'm getting you to the spiritual dimension. I need for you to operate that you understand that you operate in a different realm. And when you operate in that realm, you can enjoy life in that space when the spirit comes in because you get born again. 
What happens in that capacity? All of a sudden, in the spirit realm, I have the ability to connect with God. That's why spirit is important. We are so incredibly made as creatures because we are the only creature that straddles both spirit and natural. God is spirit, and everything in creation is natural. We're the only one that has the ability to do both of those things. But it becomes important for us to recognize that because in that understanding, we begin to realize that my life is in the spirit, but my existence is on the earth. In those places, God has not only just created realms, but he's created the capacity for us to exist in those realms. So I'm not just a natural, something that exists in a natural being, uh, in a natural world. I'm not just a robot. He created me with something called a brain. A brain is an organ. And the reason that I have a brain is because as I live life and as I go through life, I'm going to encounter different people. And so I get to enjoy relationships and I have the opportunity to engage with them and I allow them to make deposits into my life. And then I move to places where I discover about creativity and who I am and what I'm all about. And I move to places where I make influence and bring about change and I create things and things begin to happen. I move to places where all situations and circumstances are in influencing me and I respond in ways that are different to everybody else. Why? Because I'm taking information. I'm taking input. I'm taking all of that stuff that's happening out in my world and I'm synthesizing it through an organ called my brain. There is an interpretation that takes place which is individualistic, which is unique to everybody else. I can look at a situation and I can be involved in a situation that Babette's in as well. And I can walk out of that situation and I have an interpretation of it which might be very different to hers. Should I tell you something shocking? You're all going to leave church today and you're all going to have a different interpretation. I have people who tell me stuff and they come up to me and they say, you know what, I want to thank you so much. It was the best message I ever heard. You know what affected my life most dramatically? And they tell me something and I think, Holy Spirit, you must have done that because I never even had that in my sermon. Why? Because of who I am and what I'm all about. My involvement in situations makes me unique and distinct. That's why I have a brain in the natural realm. I'm different to all of you. I have a personality that's different to all of you. I have giftings that's different to all of you. I have abilities and, and I have, have processes that are different. It's okay. But the reason that the brain is important is because the brain in a natural context is giving me an idea of who I am in this world. And I'm beginning to understand that I'm different. And can I live with that? My brain is there for the natural. But if we step over to the spirit, remember he created us as spirit beings. Up until that point, I was just dead until he breathed life into me. What did he breathe into me? Spirit! It was the spirit of God that was breathed into me. But spirit world, like natural world, it's not just that it exists and I'm kind of out there somewhere. I have capacities. Much like the brain in the natural realm, I have a capacity in the spirit realm. The ability to be able to process stuff and to make choices as to who I am. To be unique and distinct in a spiritual capacity. We are not all the same. I can choose whether I want to be born again or not. That's spiritual. It's not natural. It has implications naturally. But it's a spiritual decision. My mind is important because in a spiritual capacity, I'm having a look at all of the stuff that's going on. And in that realm, I'm making decisions about who I am. It makes me distinct. It makes me unique. It gives me the ability to understand who I am and I'm what I'm all about. Why is it important? For a few reasons. Number one, it's, they become representative of the fact that we live in two realms. Secondly, not only that we live in two realms, but I'm beginning to recognize that in those two realms, I have the capacity and the ability to be able to process what's happening around me and make my own judgments about things, which defines who I am. My mind 
is who I am. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Your brain is a tool. Everything that happens in your brain as an organ feeds into, into your mind. Our identity is fundamental when it comes to transformation. I don't change because I modify my behavior. I don't become a new creature or a new person by changing my behavior. I become a new creation when I recognize who I am in Christ. And I allow the spirit to take who that is and to birth it inside of me. Because birthing comes from spiritual. Life is born of spirit. And when it changes who I am, and I don't just know about that, but I become that, the fruit of my life changes. That's how I change. That's why who we are and our identity becomes so important. And you get to choose it. You get to choose it. I've said it before you, life and death. In all that you do, what is it that you would like to do? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Man, God breathed spirit into man and man became a living soul. A living soul is spirit inside of body. That's what, that's what a living soul is. Up until that point, body was dead. It had no life. It was when God breathed spirit into it that all of a sudden, number one, the body took on life. But secondly, what goes with spirit? Mind. You became a living soul. In the context of body, you had the opportunity to, want to, to begin to define who you are and what you're all about. And you're not only limited to the spiritual side. In fact, when you first born... You have, you, we're not aware of the Spirit of God because we're not born again. So most of us, what happens is, although we become a living soul, we just rely on the brain to influence who we are. That's why what ends up happening is, when we get born again, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of us, and He makes us a brand new creation in Christ. What happens? Spiritually, the life of God is on the inside of me. But what happens? The very first thing he implores you to do is what? Renew your mind. You know what he's saying? You get to choose your life. You get to choose what you look like. You get to choose what defines you. What he's saying is, I want you to choose to renew your mind. When he talks about mind, he's talking about your identity. He's not talking about your thinking. Don't go to brain. He's not saying change your thinking. Your thinking doesn't change who you are. You are a living soul. And so when we understand that we're a living soul, that we were brought into existence as a result of God breathing life into us, we understand that if we want to change our identity, it's got to be born. And the only one who can breathe new life into us is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an analogy. Lorna loves to go, I nearly said skinny dipping. She doesn't go skinny dipping. She goes scuba diving. <laughs> scuba diving. See, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> scuba diving. When you go scuba diving, understand this. We, we live on a planet that has two completely different realms. We live on land. But if you go out into the ocean, the fish live in a separate realm. They live in water. So if you want to go into their realm and you want to go into their world, what are you the first thing that you do? You take body and you put it in a wetsuit. And what happens when I get into a wetsuit? All of a sudden, I can put on my lungs and everything that I need, and then I'm equipped to go into a different realm. That's what God did with you when he created you. God said he breathed of himself. He breathed life into man. 
This is your suit that entitles you to be on the natural realm. That's not who you are. When you come out of body, it's gone. There's no more life. You will go back from being a living soul to being spirit, and you'll go to exist with God. It's the same thing. So when you go scuba diving, you put on what you need. That's not who you are. You're inside of it. And you're going into a realm where you are in the realm, but you're not of the realm. When you were born into the world, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. It becomes so important to us because the problem with it is so many Christians don't necessarily define between one realm or the next and they're not sure who they actually are. Am I my thoughts? Am I my feelings? Am I how I want to process all of this stuff? Or actually, am I my mind? And when I begin to get definition between all of these, under, these things, they start to take the, uh, the appropriate place. God was always designed to be the priority of our life. And when he was the priority of our life, he was designed to give definition to my mind, my identity, which is spiritual in nature. And who I was, understanding who I was as a result of living from relationship with God, I would take control of something called my mind, which gave me the ability and the access to experience all that the, the world has to offer. But there was an, a, a, a sequence to it and there was a priority to it. When you go down and you go scuba diving, the thing is, you're down there and you're mixing with the fish, but you don't think you're a fish. You don't think you're a fish. You know you're something different. I can't take the things of the world and try to explain them and give them context to something which lives in the water because it doesn't understand it. That's the challenge that we have very often as Christians. We try to take spiritual things and interpret them through the brain when God intended for us to interpret them through the mind. One Corinthians two verse fourteen. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The person who's in the wetsuit underwater doesn't understand. Actually, above water, I don't need a mechanism for breathing. I can breathe with my lungs. I know that down here you may swim, but up there we walk. It's foolishness. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have to worry about floating away when we're up above water because we've got a thing called gravity. When you're underwater, buoyancy is your biggest issue. I need to go down because I keep wanting to go up. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. What God's saying is this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I've given you a brain to exist in a realm that I created for you to have dominion over. But it's not to govern you. Your brain was designed as a tool. You were created as a spirit being. And in the context of spirit being, that defines who you are. And that in relationship with me should give definition to who you are. Not in relation to your brain. It's the whole thing about be not conformed to your world. Don't define who you are by the way that your brain interprets your environment. Be transformed by connecting to the spirit who's on the inside of you, the life of Christ inside of me. So here's the shocker. When God created Adam and when God created you, Your identity is always formed in something outside of yourself. Who you are is always given definition by substance outside of you. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, I know how man was created. And man was created because I gave him free will to choose what he wanted to do. 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create man with the capacity to be able to recognize and embrace our image so that he could reflect our likeness. Now let me give you an example of how that translates to us in everyday life. I've told you, I've used this example before, but I like it because it works well. So Vivian hates math. She's like me. I hate math. I do it because I have to, and I try and do what I can because I have to, but I really hate it. I hate it. So Vivian comes home and she's got homework, and she's doing her homework, and she gets so frustrated because she finds math just doesn't make sense to her. It's a spiritual thing. <laughs> Vivian, she's like, it makes no sense to me. She's trying to do this, but it doesn't make sense to her. And she gets frustrated and she gets irritated. And she finds she battles through to get it done. And I'm sitting there and I'm working with her. And as a result of going through that, a long, strong, hard, laborious, tough session. You come out. And there is an idea that pops in. And it says this. Because you're not good at math, you're not smart. What happened? In that moment, I was just doing math. I was doing homework. I was doing nothing. But what ended up happening? All of a sudden, something which was a challenge became something called an image. An image. And it said, will you buy me? Because you know what? It's justified. Look at the situation. You can't do it. So you must not be smart. Image looking for adoption. And you know what the problem is? If we take image and we grab a hold of image, the very next thing we start to do is image not only informs the idea, but it begins to inform something called our thinking. And I begin to think about that. And the more I think about that, the more I think, I really can't do anything with math. Actually, I must be really, really stupid. And when I've followed through with thought a little bit, it translates into something called a belief. A belief. All of a sudden, image has come into the space and it's starting to give definition to who I am. And so what ends up happening is I start to believe I'm not as good as other people because I'm not as smart as other people. And it translates and begins to inform my feelings. I'm, I, I feel I'm not as good as other people, so I don't do certain things. My behaviors become involved. I become reserved and reticent. I'm not quick to go and do things. I won't take on challenges. I won't be innovative and jump into things because people might recognize the fact that I'm not smart. And I talk from that place. I know other people are smart. I'm not. Image once adopted and defining who I am creates likeness. What happens is who I am is never given definition outside of soil that's outside of me. That's why God says, guard your heart. Because image is always looking for adoption. The challenge with it is this. When we go to my brain, I'm going to a world which is not defined by God. It's a world system. And when the world system that I engage with, I allow it to give definition to, I, to who I am, all of a sudden things come into my world and images come into my world and it starts to give definition to who I am. And I don't recognize and I don't understand and I get frustrated because my life looks like everything's falling apart. And you know what ends up happening? It's because I've adopted something that I've allowed to steal, kill, and destroy from me. You think Satan's going to come knocking on your door with his pitchfork with regularity and a little placard that says, I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy? He steals, kills, and destroys because what ends up happening is, as the God of the world system, thank you, Adam, 
What ended up happening is when you engage with it, you're engaging with death. Choose this day. Choose. Where are you going? Because when I choose to engage with the world system, you're opening the door to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that you have in your life that is moving to a place where it's stealing from you, it's killing the reality and destroying the truth of what God created for you. Those are huge red flags. Forkfoot is at play. Stop. Steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. What is he talking about? He's talking about life is available and accessible through me, but it's not available and accessible there. This is practically how who I am gains definition. And when who I am gains definition, I live from that place. Let us make man in our image so that they can reflect our likeness. When I move to a place where I move into what God has available to me and all that Christ has provided for me, I move to a place where I can begin to experience life. Life is in spirit. Anything that you go to your brain for, the nature of natural is death. Nothing good is coming from that. Where did I want to go next? Um, so, when we start living from a different place, part of the challenge with it is when we, I, I'm, what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to hopefully move us to a place where we're able to distinguish and recognize one realm from the other. Not only recognize one realm from the other, but recognize who I am in that realm. Who am I in the natural realm and my brain? Who am I in the spirit realm as my mind? Everything that God speaks to when you read the word of God, when he says, have the mind of Christ. Okay, Understand this. Keep it in the realm that God's speaking about. It's spirit. It's not natural. He's not saying, you go and start thinking like Jesus. Try and get thoughts like Jesus. It's natural. What he's saying is, stay in the spirit realm. When he says, have the mind of Christ, what he's saying is, I'm looking for the image and the likeness of Christ to be born in your identity. And so that you don't just know about Christ and you try to live like him, but you become like Christ. It's all about him being birthed on the inside of me. Anytime I'm trying to do my Christianity, I'm living from my brain. Anytime I'm looking for life to be born on the inside of me, I'm living from spirit. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What he's saying is, when we start and we try to live our lives out of our brain, we're going to get frustrated. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. There are so many Christians who have a love for God and they're trying really hard to walk into the fullness of what God has, all, has available to them. The problem with it is we have so many people, Christians, who are born-again born believers, but they're carnal. What does it mean? I've never come to a place where I recognize and appreciate and I know how to engage spirit. And because I can't engage spirit, I'm living from brain. And anytime I live from brain, I have access to world. And every time I'm accessing world to give definition to who I am, I'm going outside of my relationship with God into another realm. I'm, I'm not being truthful and faithful to that. It's not intentional. The funny thing about it is, do you know that we can deceive ourselves? And the biggest deception is when we deal with spiritual things out of the brain. Because the nature of what we're dealing with, I'm talking about the Bible and I'm reading the Bible and I'm working hard with the Bible and I'm listening to good teachings and I'm doing a lot. But what it introduces me to is a works program because everything that comes out of the natural is produced. It's not born. So when I live out of my brain and I'm reading the word of God, I'm trying to produce stuff in my life because that's what people do when you work with that. And what ends up happening is I'm trying hard to be a good Christian. I'm like Jim was saying, I try to change the fact that, you know, what? I'm not a very loving person. 
I try to change the fact that, you know what? I don't have joy in my life. I don't live from joy. You know what joy is? Joy is living in the awareness of the grace and the favor of God. When you live in the joy of God, it's living from a reality that's birthed on the inside of you that I'm his favorite. You can't take that from me. Do you want to know why I'm joyful? Because it's who I am. And you know what? When I know who I am and I know and I'm aware of the fact that I'm his favorite, it doesn't really matter that that person cut me off on 66. You're not going to steal the fact that I'm his favorite. What is he birthing in your life? You see, when he births stuff in your life, you have a different place to live from. When he births something in your life, all of a sudden you move to a place where, you know what? I don't really recognize you and need stuff from you. You are not the source of my life. And when you're not the source of my life, what ends up happening is I move to a place where it's like I can have a different interaction with you. Because I'm not offended by the fact that I didn't get something from you that I really wanted. When we are Christians who live from the brain, the problem with it is we with regularity sabotage our world. Because I'm going to my world for what I should be getting from God. I go to what populates my world for what I should be getting from God. I need you to make me feel good. I need you to affirm me. I need you to make me happy. And as long as you're doing it, it's good. But when you don't, but it does something worse. Because you know what it does to us? Because we understand that in the natural realm, we are there to be productive. What ends up happening is we pursue the things that make us fulfilled in a natural capacity. And when I do it for the first time, because I work hard at this, and I produce something, and I get recognition, and I get accolades, and people think that I'm so great, I like it. But you know what I find? The more I have to work to try and get to that place. And the harder I work, the more elusive it seems to become. Come unto me, all ye that labor, heavy laden. I'm trying so hard to feel full. I'm trying to try hard to feel affirmed. I'm trying so hard to have a sense of value. I'm trying so hard to get to a place where I have peace. I'm trying so hard to get to a place where I can live from the joy and knowing that I am his favorite. I don't have those things. You get them when you move into brain, uh, into mind. Just checking that you're listening. Good job, Rafa. That's the challenge of the Christian walk. I'm not pursuing information. I'm pursuing life. I understand that God gave me a brain and I celebrate all that it gives me and the ability to do wonderful things like send man to the moon and split atoms. I'm so grateful for the fact that I have skills and abilities and stuff that I can do and I can go out and I can experience all that, that. And all those wonderful mathematicians who can build big buildings and great bridges that I can't do. And I can create art and I can create music and I can do all of those things because I have skills. I can get a good work ethic so I can produce stuff and I can get promoted. So all things I can do. But in the world and in the brain, you're never going to get peace. That comes from the spirit and the mind. I never get to be his favorite in this world, but I'll get it there. I begin to recognize the fact that the foundation of my life, those things that are most consequential, come from spirit, not natural. It doesn't mean that the natural stuff isn't important. But there's so many examples of people who've achieved great, accomplished people. The Van Goghs of the world took his own life. Why? None of it made sense. 
People who work hard because I somehow have this idea that if, if I become famous or if I get lots of money, I'll have that stuff. And when they get there, they recognize the fact that I'm looking for life in all the wrong places. We have an epidemic in society because people haven't been introduced to the fact that God is just not a happy, clappy, Jesus loves you bumper sticker. I thought about this long and hard. What have we got to offer the world? Now, I'm talking about stuff that's got traction. I mean, get real, okay? If I'm in the world, I don't want to hear, okay, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Okay, fine. Okay, good. Where's it got traction? When I was in advertising, when you advertise a product, you need to be able to deliver a core proposition why should you buy this product? And the core proposition isn't enough because you could lie. So you have to have a core proposition, but you have to be able to add something to it called substantiation. In other words, if I say this, why is it true? So I'm going to give you the proposition and I'm going to give you the substantiation. This is what the world wants. Before I tell you that, let me tell you why they're in such a mess. Because there's so much stuff happening in the world right now that in the last 20 years, suicide has gone up 36%. 36%. These are people who are looking for fulfillment. They're looking for a sense of relief. They're in such a bad place that my best option is to die. I told the staff earlier this week, I was reading an article in Brussels. They have euthanasia. There was a, I think she was 23, 23, 24 year old girl. And a number of years ago, she was a survivor of an ISIS bombing in one of the airports. And she was one of the girls who survived. And she said, for 10 years, for 10 years, she said, I take over a dozen capsules a day trying to live. A dozen medications. She says, I can't leave my home because I'm terrified of what might happen. I don't want to mix with people. I, I just want to be solitary. I'm depressed. And she petitioned the court to be euthanized. 23. You know what? No hope. At 23. And they granted it. And she passed away. These people are desperate. One in five people that you run into is taking an antidepressant. Addictions through the roof. One in five people sees a counselor, a therapist, or a psychologist to deal with mental issues. We live in a society that is desperate for relief, for salvation. Here's the proposition. I came to give you life.
life of an abundant nature. And if you can understand and see who you are as a spirit being, in that place where who I am can connect with the Creator, you open the door for Him to flood your life with the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, everything that becomes a fruit of a different nature. You will never get that living in the world. What you have to offer the world is Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The pursuit that everybody is after, whether they're born again or not, whether they recognize it or not, is something called life. And you only get that in a spiritual dimension when I recognize who I am and I make a decision, a choice to submit to who I, who I am to the influence of the Holy Spirit in that place. When we talk about not my will but thine be done, being done, it's talking about it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. What it's saying is, I'm not going outside of that place. I'm not going into my world to allow those things and the substance of my mass problem to become the image that defines who I am. Because I authored that. I'm going to die to that so that I can live to your image, Christ. That's why who you are is so important. Because I begin to get an, an understanding and I get an idea. I get a revelation of how I've been formed in different ways. And I allow the Holy Spirit to move me into a meaningful space where he says, let's partner through life together. Let me change some stuff in you that's defining who you are and leading you to a place where the thief is allowed to steal, kill, and destroy from you. And let me introduce you to life of a superior nature. I can tell you you're his favorite. And you can know it and understand it, and you can have scripture to support it. But until that's who you become, you live from your brain and not who I am. <laughs> You know why? Because it's got to be birthed and born in you. I've scripted all my scriptures today, but I want to give you this one because this is a really important one. John 1 verse 12 and 13, but as many as received him, received him, received him. Where do you receive him? Who? What's in your spirit? Your mind. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is why that scripture is so important. Is because when he says that you're his favorite, he's not telling you that so that you know it. He's telling you that so that you can become it. You're to be born of God. You know what? You know why you're a son of God? Not because you're adopted, but because you're born of him. When you're adopted, I take you in as you are, and you look like as you are, and you continue as you are, but you carry my name. But when you're born of me, that's quite different. The reason he brings you into that space is he says, you may have had image and it may reflect in your likeness because it came from something outside of me, but you're going to be born of me in that place. And when you're born of him in that space, it becomes an experiential reality to walking into things like confidence. Yeah. It's not because I'm trying to muster up the confidence. It's because of who I am. I'm not trying to work from authority because the scripture tells me so. It's because I'm a son of God and I'm living from that place. Who are you today? 
I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose. Choose. Can we stand? Jesus, I want to thank you for the grace that you've provided. I want to thank you for everything that you've done for us. And in all those places where we've got involved and we've started defining who we are, we repent. It's no longer I who live, but we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move into that space and give redefinition. Bring in the image of Christ so that it can be burst on the inside of me and so that I can live from that likeness. I thank you, Father, for a people who are spiritually charged. I thank you for a people who are spiritually alive. I want to thank you, Father, because of who we are and because Christ is born, being born on the inside of us, you're establishing a new generation. Not religious people, but spiritual people. People who are not trying to look like Christ, but people who go into the world and are the light of the world because of who he is. I pray blessing over every person here today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives this week to introduce us to all of those places that you want to change. I pray for a sensitivity of spirit so that as we move into those dimensions and those realms, I want to thank you. We depend on you. We allow for your influence. We allow for the invitation. And we take our will and we marry it to what it is that you want to do and we step into newness. We are not trying to become new people. We are allowing you to birth newness inside of us. I thank you, Father, that as people of faith, people of faith is allowing Christ to be born on the inside of us. I don't live in the expectation of things to come because of what you've told me. I live in the expectation of things to come because I live from Christ in me. I speak from a different place. I expect from a different place. I look for change from a different place. I recognize that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And as I live from Christ in me, I want to thank you that I have the ability to bring influence and change into a realm that you've provided for us. I thank you for people established on the rock. I thank you for people that see you as the source of their life. And so they're not picking fruit and eating from their world, but they're going into the world to deliver change.